Golden Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 99, it's part one of our review series for the Rally in the 100 Acre Wood. We chat with overall two-wheel drive winners Michael Hooper and co-driver Kevin Allen, regional two-wheel drive competitors Steve Alana and Al Dantes Jr., and national limited two-wheel drive competitor Ryan Sanders. So pour yourself a glass of the good stuff for this virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and a fair warning to y'all out there, this is a long episode. I tend to do the long format with my podcast, but uh, I hope as you enjoy as I do that uh, we get to know our ARA competitors a little bit better. In this 100 Acre Wood Review Part 1, we start with Michael Hooper of River City Rally Team, and he talks about how hard he pushed to try and catch Seamus and Martin. He also explains how it was a big team effort and the reliability of the Lexus is really what uh, got him the win, as well as a key factor being his new co-driver that's normally a driver and never co-driven before. That leads to our second interview, which is with Kevin Allen, his co-driver. He normally races a NA four-wheel drive car and uh, challenges for class podiums or wins, which is really cool. But moving into the right seat was a whole new experience, and he says that uh, he enjoyed it a lot more than he expected. Then on the regional side, we talked to Steve Alana of Verve Racing. He tells us about uh, his Toyota Tercel that uh, drove to second overall in the class win. That's a really unique build, and he kind of goes to some detail on that and really kind of goes into the electric power steering that he put in the car and how actually he had some issues with that and how that may have actually turned him into a better driver. Anyways, it's a pretty good listen. Uh, then it's over to Al Dantes Jr. He was third overall in regional and on the podium as well for his uh, second in class in the open two-wheel drive. Great job by him. And uh, he did his signature move for 100 Acre Wood, it seems, which is passing all of the competitors that are stuck on a hill by just hugging the ditch and uh, going for it. Uh, he's done that a couple times now, which is which is a pretty funny story. Then we round out this episode with Ryan Sanders of Go Speed Racing, and uh, he apologizes for holding up those competitors from the water crossing. And then he also explains how co-driver Boyd Smith used jet boat commands when comms went out. And then we deviate in all kinds of tangents from uh, electrification to how he overcame uh, a bit of an addiction he had with video games when he was younger and now has moved that into his love for uh, playing different musical instruments and photography. So a little bit more background on Ryan Sanders as well. Anyways, I hope you folks enjoy this one, and we'll be right back with those interviews after this. Go, five right short over crest into second, small crest 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rhiannon Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally, or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Michael Hooper, how you doing, man? Hey, Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, but, uh, dude, you won open two-wheel drive. Yeah, came out, came out pretty good in the end. It uh, it was a heck of a rally, long and and man, pretty rough for for hundred acre. Usually not quite like that, you know. Typically fast and smooth. So 
tell me about uh, what was like preparing for this. I mean, going to Reki, you see all these roads that are just carved up with from all the rain and whatnot. Uh, are, are you optimistic? Are you, huh, we're going to have to lay off on this one? But you got Seamus there. You've got, you know, uh, Nate Tennis there. You got uh, young Durazio, who's really quick now. Um, there's a hell of a lot of competition in your class, but those roads just look dicey. Yeah, so so we kind of knew out of the gate, you know, if, if we just backed off and played it safe, you might not even end up on the podium. Uh, so that really wasn't an option. And then we're, we're, you know, deliberating, okay, do we hit these water splashes? Do we not hit these water splashes? And and added actually a, a little bit more shielding. Nathan that, that runs the number two car sometimes, him and his boys were out there, and they added a bunch of cladding on the top to keep water away from the intake. And we decided, well, you know, looking at old pictures, there's no water near the intake, so maybe okay. <laughs> so so went for it on the water crossings. The rough stuff, uh, that car is usually pretty pretty durable. So I was actually expecting, uh, I, knew, I knew Seamus would take some time on day one, but I was hoping that we could take it back on day two and plan to push a bit on, on Loop Southern. I really like that stage. I like that kind of terrain, as strange as that sounds to most folks. Trying to figure out where you can push, where you can get away with it, mark up the notes as best we can, and go for it. I guess, did you back off once you knew your, your closest competition was out, or did you keep pushing the rest of the way just to make sure you had a big enough lead in case there was a puncture or something like that? So so we did back off, but I'll tell you, to be honest, um, so day one, I do know those roads. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at KP to Ollie in the normal, normal direction. You know, stage one, I knew Seamus was going to get us. I wasn't as familiar. Stage two, I really pushed hard and, and you know i thought okay you know he got seven seconds that's actually exactly what i called that he'd get on the first stage second stage i was like okay you know we just took two seconds or maybe he got two seconds but we'll be right there and boom Seamus took another seven seconds <laughs> like okay so third third stage we pushed got a second back and then every stage after that he just started walking away and we 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 were on it so by the end of the day i think he had 46 seconds on us and, you know, that that happens, but usually if we feel good, we're closer than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Seamus was on fire, and also, uh, man, Andre. How about that kid, huh? I, <laughs> I knew he's fast, and I knew he's getting faster, but I, I just kind of said, you know, they're horsepower roads. You know, he's not going to be able to, to, to hang with the R2. We've got the horsepower advantage, and I, I, I kind of took him for granted, and then, holy smokes, man, he was right there. And we went into day two, and, and again, I like the, the rush stages, so I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, if I can get through the rush stages, put some time on Seamus, and then hopefully we'll have some night stages at the end of the day, put some more time on him, you know, maybe it can, can come out okay, even though we were pretty far in the back foot. So we went into to Loop Southern, pushed hard, and, and came out of there, and I was like, okay, you know, I got at least 10 seconds on Seamus. Nope. <laughs> he took another 21 seconds out of us. So at that point, we just said, okay, let's just, you know, keep doing what we're doing. You know, don't take too much risk. Manage the rally. Push a bit to keep Andre behind us if we can because uh, he was really charging hard and, and probably could have could have gotten us um, had he not had problems. I think there was something like five seconds between us when, when he broke or, or had water issues. I'm not sure what the, the off was. It was a turbo. The turbo went on the darn thing. Okay. Yeah, it sucks. He was he was flying, but once once he was out, that's when we were like, okay, let's let's just back down. You know, don't don't slow down so much that we 
you know, lose focus. So let's try to drive a clean, fast line and, and take it easy on the rough stuff. Well, obviously, uh, it worked out pretty well for you. And uh, Beverly's still, you know, running strong. I don't think there's uh, much that sounds better in those woods out there in the middle of Missouri. Yeah, car car was great. Tons, tons of fun. We put spherical's on it overnight, put a rear axle in it, just kind of precautionary. But other than front bumper cover that's going to need a little love, I think she's a one-piece, so should be good. So what's the next event we'll see you at? Great question. Um, definitely Ohio, possibly Olympus. We've got the number two car. If it rents, we'll, we'll put it in the trailer and take them both out to Olympus. Uh, if not, we'll see you at Ohio. Ah, sounds great, man. Well, again, congratulations on a fabulous result. And actually, I forgot to ask, actually, what was it like uh, Kevin Allen was sitting next to you? Um, you know, normally a driver uh, sitting as your co-driver. So another guy underestimated. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know, that fell into place. Kevin's first time ever um, co-driving. He's a good driver, great driver. He's done some some training with Jel Saminos and OZ Rally uh, Pro, so asked them, you know, hey, what do you think? And they're like, well, yeah, he's a good driver. <laughs> We've trained trained him for driving, uh, <laughs> and and you know they agreed he was sharp and and maybe would do okay at it if you know for somebody doing their first time. And I'll be honest, Thursday night you know, after doing recce, I was like, what the heck was I thinking? There's no way I can push on these roads. And it was nothing he did wrong. It was just, you know, not having that confidence. And, and delivery is so important in that car because you really have to have that car set up for uh, what's coming up. It takes a while to get it rotated. You can't just flick it in. So I was kind of, my heart was uh, concerned, I guess, is a heavy heart <laughs> mm-hmm. going into the day one on Friday. And I tell you, he was on point the entire time. Uh, I don't know how he prepped how he did it but he was awesome did a great job and really even being his first time didn't didn't slow us down a bit did nothing but help is he going to be sitting with you again or is this just kind of a one-off to you know because he had to fill a seat for uh for a vacancy maybe um i think he definitely had fun uh, i'm sure he still likes driving um, <laughs> as most do yeah i think we'll have matt Vaught back in the seat uh for ohio and and of course hopefully you know down the road get claudia back uh, longer term so just just depends on you know who's available what he's doing what he's up for but we'll see he's definitely welcome we'll uh hopefully see you at olympus if not southern ohio dude uh again congratulations winner open two-wheel drive national uh, against some some of the best competition i think in two-wheel drive we've seen and on some very sketchy roads so well done best best competition period uh, the seeing the fields this deep is just amazing awesome yeah yeah, uh, across the board, it was a hell of an event. Uh, we want them all like that, <laughs> for sure. Well, looks looks like we're headed that direction, doesn't it? <laughs> sure does. Olympus is filling right up. Yeah, it's it's exciting times. I I wasn't sure I, we would see it this quick. I knew it was building, but it's all, it seems like the floodgates have opened and uh, a lot of interest, and that's exactly what we want to see. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you for the call, sir. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Hello, Kevin Allen. How you doing, man? All right, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm used to, if I remember right, you whipping around an NA4 car, not you sitting in the co-driver's seat. Yeah, the yellow Impreza with the paw print. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you ended up uh, hopping into the right seat with, with Hooper there, and your first time co-driving, you end up winning the open two-wheel drive class. Congratulations, man. Well, thanks. A little misfortune for Seamus, kind of put us in there he was kicking our butts but I, i'm still trying to figure out what he did because you guys you know i know hooper's been getting faster and faster every year and yet somehow 
it's like Seamus finds another half a gear. <laughs> yeah, it's that pretty was crazy, crazy how fast. It, it, he put 15 seconds on a, on a four-minute stage. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Hooper yeah. was just shocked. I was like, what? Okay. The rest of, our, rest of us were running pretty close. I mean, uh, there was a few of us that were running pretty close times, but he was just way ahead. There was no catching him. You guys were in such a great class, though. I mean, the open two-wheel drive seems to have some of the best battles out there. Um, you know, if you really look at the stages, okay, behind Sheamus, it's, you know, uh, 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 Nate Tennis is up there. You got Andre Durazio, who's quick. You've, you guys were quick. Uh, you know, the there's just so many people that are there are possibilities there, and that's got to make it a little stressful for a co-driver for their first time. Well, it's, it's kind of like in a four-wheel drive. There's a lot of talent in, in a four-wheel drive, too, so you got to bring your A-game to win that or, or get on the podium. <laughs> yeah. And again, there, there was, you know, especially like with the regionals, it was super tight there for a while. So, yeah, that, that's definitely true. Yeah, so, so let's talk about what it was like preparing as a co-driver when you haven't really done it before because you, you're not hopping in with a, a slow guy. Your first time, you're with Hoop. I saw that he didn't have a have anybody by his name. I, I knew that... Uh, Claudia was going to be driving, co-driving for Nate Tennis, so I um, thought, you know, uh, we had talked a little bit last year about me renting the other Lexus, and that never worked out, so um, you know, I've been talking to him off and on for a year or so, uh, just about Lexuses and, you know, hanging out at different rallies and, and things, and so, uh, and Claudia co-drove for me in the Zero car at, at a rally a while back, so uh, sometime last year on a Tarmac rally, <clears throat> so um. I knew him, and uh, so he, he didn't have a, a co-driver, and I said, hey, uh, <laughs> you want a, a novice? So um, he said he said somebody, he said Wilson Von Kessler was going to co-drive for the year, he thought, but then Wilson backed out, so he sent me a message and said, hey, uh, you still interested? So, but he had he had talked to um, Alex and Rhiannon yeah. to get the story, you know, so, um, <clears throat> so he, he asked, you know, you guys have trained him twice, and 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 she said, yeah, as a driver. So, <laughs> you know, he 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 put a lot of faith in me, and I really appreciate that. And you know, on, on the way to the first stage, or maybe it was on the way to shakedown, I was really nervous. And he was asked, I, I asked him if he was nervous, and he said, uh, he said, I'm always nervous. And I said, yeah, me too. And um, it, we're a lot alike as as drivers, so um, it was it was pretty easy to mesh with him as a co-driver because I understood kind of what he wanted to hear. There were a few small differences in what he wanted to hear as a group, you know, mm-hmm. grouped together as notes. But um, mostly it was, he kind of operates kind of like me. You know, you, you just turn off your brain and listen and do what the co-driver says. And then sometimes you won't hear the note and, and he kind of doesn't hear the note the same place as I don't hear the note and you need the same repeat. So it was pretty easy to um, keep up. So it was really cool. It was kind of like I was co-driving for myself, but that, that was also um, kind of, uh, eye-opening because it's like it's like what what Liz experiences uh, every rally, so I got to see things from her side. So it, you know, it gave me an understanding of of uh, how frustrating it can get dealing with a dealing with a driver who has uh, turned off his brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, taste your own medicine yeah. a little so, bit there. Yeah, but we were we were making fun of co-drivers the whole weekend. You know, it was two drivers in a car making fun of co-drivers <laughs> the whole weekend during recce and during the rally and everything, and it was pretty fun we'd i would sigh at him and you know call it and say sucks to be dumb that's something that liz says to me <laughs> um, so uh yeah we had a lot of fun with it but um as far as preparation it was crazy um 
but you know, as, as I, like I said, uh, Liz and I went to Oz Rally Pro together, me as a driver and her as a co-driver, so as a team, to learn how to uh, write pace notes the first time, because we had never, we were always using Jemba, and I didn't understand Jemba. So when we started writing our own pace notes, we jumped from mid-pack to on the podium. So it was a huge difference, and you know, I really appreciate uh, Oz Rally Pro for that. But um, the second You're time, another one of the converts. Just you know, everybody yeah. I know that started from Jemba, and then they start yeah. doing their own notes. I mean, I understand Jemba for when you're just like completely clueless, right? Your first rounds. Yes. But as soon Jemba as people seem to start, anything. right? They they over describe in a it's lot of like, cases. Or in... Well, they over describe it, but it's also it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Like when I write my own notes, I can visualize what's ahead, mm. and then I just drive it. And it's like sometimes. And it, you have pace notes where you say max over crest or flat over crest or, you know, um, or you, you can mark uh, where where it actually tightens. It, in Jumbo, it just says opens, then tightens. In, in Kevin, it says opens, tightens at don't or tightens at whiff, which means you're going by a bush or a tree or something, you know. It's really descriptive. So, I, you know, it, I can visualize it and then I just drive it. And sometimes I feel like I'm driving it in my mind and not actually in the car. Like I don't actually see the road. I'm just... You're seeing notes <laughs> Driving in your head. what I hear. Yeah. It's really cool. When wow, it's really flowing, cool. you know, when everything's working, it's really, it's kind of like that. It's like when you, it's like when you um, are driving on the interstate and all of a sudden you end up five miles down the road and you don't know how you got there. Yep. You just, you're just <laughs> like in that like zone, that. right? Yeah. It's pretty weird. <clears throat> That's but, um, fascinating. Th- yeah. We went there and then Liz went over like the rolls and the time cards and um, how she writes the notes and little, little things that she adds, like, you know, focus here and. Um, things like that to, to make you think about what's coming up, you know. And uh, Hooper and Claudia sent some of their notes from um, 100 Acre Wood last year or two years ago? I guess it would be two years I ago because it was just ago. show me yeah. last year. Yeah, so um, so they sent some of those notes, and I read those notes to their videos and to other people's videos. And then some of the uh, videos that I watched to um, work on timing and delivery and the tone – were, were um, Cameron Steely and Preston Osborne because Preston Osborne has a really distinct tone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's really clear and concise and he's just – and I kind of made a joke of it with Liz because when we were out on recce ourselves, I would call out notes to her to write down in Preston Osborne's voice. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a joke to us, but it was really – you know, it's it not really a joke. It's like he's really good at that. So, so that's, he was kind of my role model for uh, how I wanted to call things out. And, um, yeah, I'm not there, you know, but I, I think I, we, we think I, we both think I did a, a good job of it. So, and we got the results. So that's cool. Yeah. But, um, I mean, sounds like you did a lot of preparation though. I mean, you did, you know, like I said, you're watching a lot of videos. You've got notes from the previous event that they did. You're trying to figure yeah. out that, get the syncopation right. You're, you're doing a lot there. Yeah. Uh, Liz and I went out, to, she lives about a half mile from me. So, uh, we got together. We got in my Forester, which we usually use for reconnaissance at, at rallies uh, for our team. And, you know, I got in the passenger seat. She gets in the driver's seat, and we go. And, and she's never driven a rally. She's never raced in a rally car. So she's just kind of – we got the we got the mark on the steering wheel. She's been to Oz, Oz Rally Pro, too. So, you know, she's picked up a little bit of it here and there, and I've explained things. And so she's the driver. She's calling out the notes, and I'm writing down the notes. And I'm thinking, that's wrong, but, you know, I'm going to write down anyway. Um but yeah, uh, so we did that, and uh, like a, I marked off a, a special stage nearby the house with a, a lot of twists and turns, and then a, a couple of uh, 
you know, turns off of roads onto other roads, and it was about a six mile, six six point five mile um, stage, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did that. We did it north and south, and north and south again, and uh, and then we came back, and she showed me how to edit the notes once we got back, underlining the things that you call together, and you know, the the arrow down the page for when you want to speed up, you know, and, and what, the hieroglyphics what to, right, yeah, yeah, and what to what to highlight, you know, as far as you know, cautions and short turns and things like that. So that was really helpful. During the rally, you know, she was there to help help us out as a consultant kind of. Mm-hmm. So um, she was helping me with the notes while Hooper was watching videos or working on the car or something at night. And and then uh, and then everybody would go to bed and I would continue to work on the notes and watch the videos to make sure everything looked right to me and, until like it was like 2.30 in the morning each night. Wow. So, and then we were getting up at 7. So it was very little sleep. But um, yeah, it sounds like a typical yeah. rally weekend, though. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really cool though. It was but really you didn't have to be hammering on a car. Uh, You're paying attention to notes. Exactly, and the way the way we do our the way our team runs is uh, I'm the driver and I don't do anything but drive. And Liz is the co-driver and she's the boss. So anything she says, everybody does. You know, um, so she's kind of the she's the team boss. She's the co-driver, and then we have our our friend Jeremy who crews for us. He's he's our crew chief. Yeah. So he's a, he's in charge of everything car related, and I'm not allowed to touch the car during the rally. You know, I'm not supposed to do anything. I just leave it up to him because I want to touch the car, but I'm not supposed yeah. to because it's not my job. <laughs> she so, sets boundaries. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. So I, I I'm not experienced enough to really be the boss like she is. So she kind of helped me with that. But um, and you know, other people on the team, of the River City Rally team, mm-hmm. they're they're just awesome. Everybody knows what they're doing, and so they just kind of helped me out with with how things run and uh, gave me some feedback on some things that I was doing wrong. So that was was really good. I must say one stage you got really right was the first running of that kitchen patrol stage, which is probably the fastest stage in the whole rally. And you, you flat out beat Seamus and Martin on your own average speed of over 71 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Some of those stages were, were crazy. I I really enjoyed the, the water splashes. I not during recce because it, I drove my Forester there, and that's what we used as recce car. So it actually floated through one of the water water splashes during the rally. It was just it was amazing how much abuse that car would take. I'm really amazed by that car, like the the prep of that car and 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 how well it held together because it, it, nothing nothing broke the whole weekend. Jorge, who uh, preps the car, and he's um he's apparently really good at that. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> But he's really proud of it. You know, it's a it's a team. It's a really yeah. it's a really a, it's really a team effort on their part, and they're all really proud of what they do. So it was really cool to be part of that. And uh, I mean, we're 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 proud of everything we do as a team, and we work together well as a team. So it was just really you know it was cool seeing somebody else's team, you know, kind of be in the same way. But but yeah, as far as like the stages, there were some really fast stages, and I I really enjoyed that because because he was. And the tight stuff, he's on it. He's sideways, getting through there. And then the, the fast stuff, he's really committing. And he has a note that, you know, he has a, a note that says commit because, um, you know, sometimes you want to lift a little bit, but you really got to commit to that corner. And and on those commits, he was committed. And I really that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most. And there was one jump after the cattle jump that I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the whole rest of that stage, it, yeah, there just there were sections of stages, but then there were also whole like entire stages that everything was just kind of 
flowing and you know I was doing really well on the notes and and repeating exactly where he needed to repeat and pacing it out and 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 he was just driving like a crazy person and it was just it was just so cool and I didn't I never thought that I would do that because I always said that I don't want to hear I don't want to know anything that happens on that side of the car I don't know about anything that's going on over there I'm just going to drive and you just do the co-driving Liz at a certain point I realized that you know, there's a lot of frustrations going on during recce and during the rally between me and Liz because uh, I don't understand what she's doing and she doesn't really understand what I'm thinking as far as pace notes and, and mm-hmm. questions that I ask. We don't understand why we're, we're, we're saying or, or asking something. So when the second trip to Oz Rally Pro, that was, that was one of the um, things that we wanted to work on. It, it, it's just kind of a painful process sometimes. The recce, the recce part is kind of a painful process. So we worked out that out a lot, and so I figured co-driving would help me understand why she's frustrated with me sometimes, and now I understand it. That was really helpful. Well, it sounds like, yeah, you know, when you're really in sync with, with Uber, you you know, you, you kind of almost see yourself in him, and you guys yeah. are just, it, it's like you're one. I, I never imagined that I would have that feeling from the passenger seat, you know. I, I get that feeling from the driver's seat when I'm pushing the car to the limits and then the car is just working great and everything is handling great. And then Liz is right on the notes and everything's perfect and it just flows. And it was the same feeling from the co-driver's seat. And I never thought I would have that because I, I just never wanted to do that before, but you know, to evolve as a, as a team, you gotta, uh, or as a driver, you gotta, you gotta know the whole story of what's going on. Well, I, I think you just perfectly described where you're so in sync with each other and it flows so well. I was like, that's a definition yeah. of team. Yeah. And I get pretty annoyed with, with drivers who try to take all the credit. I'm not going to name names. I don't really know names, but I've, I've seen it before. They, people give the drivers too much credit. The, the co-driver, need, you know, there's as much credit going to the co-driver and the crew as, as to the driver because the driver can't do anything without a car and a and some directions. Here, here. So. Yeah, yeah, we're a big proponent of that for sure. Actually, I think I talk to more co-drivers than I do anybody, but they tend to be more talkative people in general, so maybe that's yeah. it. So, Kevin Allen, are you going to be mm-hmm. hanging with the hoop for uh, more events this season? Um, we'll see. We're talking about it. He has a rental car that he needs to rent out, so if anybody looking for a rental car, rent the car and um, let us go uh, to Olympus. I would love to see you guys come out west again. It's... Uh, some very different roads, and I'm guessing you haven't been out here to compete before on, on the west side. I've never been there, even as a spectator. Farthest west I've been is, well, what's what's farther west, Minnesota or Missouri? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, we, we went to Ojibwe for the first time last year. Yeah. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, but that, that was a great event, too. The flow of the roads at Ojibwe, the constant oh, undulation yeah. and whatnot, is it's like Finland. You know, yeah, if you can describe it, it like anything. Yeah, yeah. the big jumps. The, yeah. Well, the big crest. And then the random jump out of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the but place. The, the twisty roads. I mean, I, I like the jumps and I like the crests and all that, but it's an NA four-wheel drive car. So it's kind of boring, you know. It's just like hold your foot on the floor for the next mile and maybe hit 100, you know. But mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the, the twisty stages. They were so awesome. There's so much grip. and But then there's sometimes uh, – Less grip, so you got to watch out for that kind of stuff too. So, fun stuff. Uh, the note's really tricky. But then there was like you, you mentioned the um, 
the part where it ruts and we had some notes uh um off road trail begins and then off road trail ends. <laughs> so <laughs> it is pretty rough. Yeah, it can yeah, in spots, yeah. Yeah, we actually broke our car bad enough um that we, we had to DNF that one. Oh, so bummer. It man. just kept breaking. We're we're pushing to the limits and you know, when it's kinda of rough like that and the car's not really ready for it or maybe some parts are old and, you know, you're not going to make it. So that kind of clued us in that we need to put a more, more prep into the car before the rally. So we're working on that. Those that are listening that uh, are considering uh, renting a car, let's uh, make sure that the Hooper's rental gets rented for Olympus and uh, you guys can get out there because I would love to see you in person. I know I've met you once once or twice before at other events, but uh, I'd love to see you come out west and, and see what different stuff is out here. Uh, it, it, I love going out east to, to see that stuff. And, man, this country, the roads we've got are so different at every place. It, it, it's a gem. It, it's fun to be able to go all these different places. So I hope that happens, man. I love the variety of all the different rallies. But, yeah, hopefully I can make it to Olympus as a co-driver. And then, you know, I'm hoping to co-drive a few more times after that. And uh, working on working on convincing Liz to drive at a couple and let me co-drive for her. So. Oh, really? Well, so we'll see in our car. I think that would be fun. We could own the car, so yeah, she should drive too. You know. <laughs> I think it's only fair. <laughs> yeah, she's a great driver, so you know. I like this. I like this. We, we got to see this happen, man. Yeah, hope so. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with us, and uh, congratulations again on the win. That that was a fantastic run by you two, uh, on, on some very tough conditions against steep competition uh, throughout the field. And uh, you did really well. And I hope to see you in the Northwest. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Steve Alana, Mike Shaw here. How hey. you doing, man? Pretty good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing damn good. Dude, second overall in regional. Yeah, that was that was a surprise. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much of a surprise the first time we went through those southern stages and saw, I think it was like eight cars off. The first time through, it was uh, it was bad. It was basically a graveyard of rally cars. <laughs> well, for those that don't know, you've got a pretty special build of a car. <laughs> I mean, I remember yeah. seeing the images uh, from out there at uh, when you took it out to Colorado, and I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? But it's a proper build. Why don't you yeah, explain I mean, that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So uh, just a little bit of background. I, I used to run with the... Uh, team Honda research guys so that was kind of how I got started at the rally but I honestly my first rally was so for 2018 uh, so I don't have a ton of experience so once I left Honda moved to Colorado um, I wanted to continue doing rallies so I decided to build a car so I just read all the old forum posts I could find and researched as much as possible and uh, basically I decided I wanted something rear-wheel drive and I like old Toyotas, but, you know, old Corollas are out of my price range. So um, <laughs> I used to own one of these Tercels back, uh, I'd say, probably six years ago or so. And I always loved it. And I knew it had the engine mounted the correct direction. And it already had a solid rear axle. I was like, I'm pretty sure I can convert that to, uh, to something rear drive and fun. So basically, I swapped the rear axle for a, a beefier one out of a Ford Explorer. Um, and then the engine is a Beam 3SG from a, a JDM Toyota Altezza. Wow, um, you've got a Beams motor in that thing? Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love yep, it. and then the six-speed manual that comes with the Beams. It's 
the J160 Transit um, was in the Alteza as well. Custom drive shaft to mate the Explorer diff to the um, transmission. Uh, custom equal length four link with a pan hard bar. Um, so I basically cut into the floor and made boxes for the the rear axle four link to come you know into the body essentially. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. then big shock towers. So it's about ten inches of travel in the back <laughs> and almost nine at the front. I'm running the the Bill Steen Universal motorsports struts in the front from streetwise motorsports so nothing crazy fancy no external reservoirs or anything like that just um you know strong that was kind of my motto when i was building this car <laughs> build it durable so yeah that's kind of the overall gist of what's going on with the car <laughs> well and you know i went to your site uh, verve racing for those that, that don't know it and you know you have lots of you know, photos and, and, and video clips yeah. and things like that about the build. And yep. I encourage people that are into building cars to go take a look. Cause it's awesome. Yeah. I, I would never would have thought like an eighties Tercel was essentially an eighty eighty six. At least the rear end is, um, the rear floor pan is identical. The front was a challenge. I had to cut the whole trans tunnel out and make a new one. Cause the transmission was sitting too high. Um, custom completely custom front subframe the steering rack is from a box body mustang the front knuckles are from sn95 mustang mainly because of availability in the junkyards um (laughs) they can get spare parts for nothing actually literally the front knuckles and calipers are literally from a junkyard mustang they're not even like new (laughs) new parts (laughs) it's just like when got some junkyard knuckles and running those so Definitely a budget build. <laughs> I, I love builders like you, though, that can, like, find a way to make everything fit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of kind of the idea. So, <laughs> so but... you know, the, the car obviously has the reliability that you're talking about, which is obviously key from uh, this past weekend. Yeah. But it's got performance, yes. too, because I looked in there. You had, in the regionals, two overall stage wins. Yeah, so, and I... I actually haven't had a chance to study the results yet, but I believe those were both on Loop Southern or Southern Loop. I'm not not 100% sure. They're extremely rough. It was, Loop, it was Loop Southern and actually Scotia North. Oh, wow. Okay, so Scotia North is a surprise because that, that stage is not that rough. It's just fast and flowing, which, honestly, I was struggling with this weekend a bit in the beginning, so that's a surprise. But Loop Southern was extremely... I wouldn't say rough. It, there was some rough sections, but it was difficult because there were so many water crossings that were extremely deep. And actually, my strategy was I crawled through all of the water in second gear. Like, I didn't hit any of them at speed, <laughs> at least the deep ones, because, I, you know, I've seen so many cars suck up a bunch of water into the intake, and then you're done, yeah. you know? Better to make it through. Well, and you probably survive. saw that on the second pass through there. <laughs> yep yep and yeah some parts of the road i'm calling swamp now there was a section where it was basically driving through a riverbed and it got pretty bad that section there um huge holes uh full of water that you couldn't see how deep they were that you know i hit a few of them at speed because i thought they weren't deep and it you know you get one of those situations where the rear end bottoms out into the hole and kicks the rear axle up in the air yeah and the whole car goes sideways yeah <laughs> There's a few of those for sure, but, um, yeah, the, the strategy was just, you know, use our ground clearance to our advantage and try to hold, 
speed through that rough stuff um, where a lot of other cars are dragging skid plate and can't literally can't go fast through there. Wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously the, the ground clearance helps uh, the suspension. Yep. Probably talked about before yep. huge difference yep. there. Um, oh yeah. Do, so with a car like this, are you running just uh, standard rally tires on that? Or is there something different you had to yeah. do for tires too? No. So day one, um, I was running the same federal uh, rally tires that I've had. I bought that set before Rally Colorado. The ones that were on the front had actually been run at Rally Colorado. The rears were a little newer, but still probably over half worn. <laughs> so I wanted to finish. I'm not getting free tires or anything, so I, I try to get my money's worth out of them. Um, but, you know, finish those tires off. We actually got a puncture at the end of uh, day one, but we drove it all the way back. It was just a low, low tire. It wasn't totally flat. So we made it back to service. We were good to go. But for day two, we threw on a set of uh, Pirellis that we actually bought used from another team a couple months ago. Um, so they were, you know, in decent shape, but the Pirellis are a good tire. So I think that probably helped us quite a bit. I noticed a significant increase in grip. I had never run those tires before, and, yeah, I was impressed. They took some really big hits. There were some big, uh, I don't know what you call them, I guess exposed rocks in the road um, that were embedded in the road. And uh, I know one of my buddies, he hit one of those rocks twice and bent his wheel so bad it was hitting the tie rod. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, we hit those too, and it was fine. So I was really happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> nothing special with the tires. What, you started 47th on the road. You, uh, you know, you're kind of hanging around the 17th spot or whatever. Just kind of hanging in there, feel yep. comfortable, yeah. look like. Yeah, and then Saturday. <laughs> And you just catapulted, man. Yeah, so what happened was about three or four weeks ago, um, I upgraded the, well, quote-unquote upgraded the steering system on this car. Um, like I said, it's a box body manual rack, mm-hmm. um, and it's an extremely slow ratio. I actually drove Rally Colorado with it manual steering with that rack, and it was horrible. It was like driving a school bus. Um, I couldn't do it anymore. So for show me, um, I actually installed a quickener with, electric power steering in the column out of like a a Corolla Um, and that was okay but the electric motor couldn't really keep up with like quick inputs you would hit like a wall of effort if you tried to do a quick counter steer so um, I read about the Saturn View has a steering column as well that's electric with you know electric assist but there's aftermarket support for little controller boxes for it to change the assist so I went with that. I, about three weeks ago, I installed one of those in the car. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But I didn't have time to test it at all. Like, literally drove the car around the block. I was like, all right, it has assist. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, came out on stage one. I uh, got a little sideways and went to counter steer. And even worse than before, like, literally could not turn the wheel. When you try to make a quick correction, you outrun that motor. Yeah. And it's, again, you hit a wall of effort. And I, we just started tank flapping. I couldn't get ahead of the the tank flapper and, like, basically hit the berm. That straightened us up. And then I was like, okay, I need to I need to slow it down a little bit because we're going to literally fly off into the woods if I try to push it right now with the way this thing is. So day one, yeah, it was me learning how to drive around that, um, which required essentially just being as smooth as possible and not – needing quick corrections right right right. which is a good lesson in driving like you know i've always been able to just kind of make up for you know if you make a mistake you 
quickly with the wheel and get the car straight again. But it's kind of like a, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a bad habit, I guess, versus this, I was able, I was slow at first because I'm trying to learn how to do it. But eventually I felt like I was actually driving better than um, I ever have before because of forcing myself to be smooth and calculated with corner entry and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think day two was a combination of being able to hammer it through that, um, that rough stuff, but also getting better at being smooth. <laughs> you, know, you bring something up, something interesting with this electric power steering stuff. And I know it's something that uh, actually Seamus and, um, and Mark yeah. have been uh, fighting with the uh, last couple of years. Um, they've had some issues yeah. with theirs here and there. And yep. uh, I know that my personal experience, and one reason why I like my older car that I drive is a lot of the electric power steerings up until more recently were yep. just either a they were so kind of over boosted that yep. I just felt disconnected from yep. I, was like, I felt like I was driving a remote control car uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> or um, the hesitation behind my movements you know it's like I move and just even a tenth of a second or whatever it is you notice yeah. it and it just yep. felt weird um, yep and my wife has a 2016 little Impreza and I didn't yep. realize hers was electric power steering and I don't know yeah. if it's just oh, electric yeah. boosted or if it's direct but no, um, it's direct. Yeah, it is okay. And yeah, hers is yep. great. Like, yeah, I, it's snappy, but I feel it, and I'm like, yeah, wow, this is cool. And I wish, like, I wish my car had yeah. that version. <laughs> yeah. So, like, a little background. I my job at Honda. I used to work at Honda R and D as a as an engineer. Mm -hmm. I was actually a steering test engineer. So I oh, tuned wow. so this is electric your power steering. Yeah. So that was my job to tune the power steering and also do all the like durability tests, but mainly tuning on Honda and Acura cars. So I'm, I'm very familiar with what you're talking about, about it being numb and, you know, no feedback. Mm -hmm. The effort build sometimes doesn't match the, we call it the yaw build of the car, yaw gain. Um, and that's what makes it feel unnatural. That was kind of why I was like, oh, well, I'll just toss electric car steering in this thing. I know how to do it. But the issue is, as I said earlier, I have a quickener and I installed the quickener above the assist. So it's, between the steering wheel and the assist motor, oh, meaning okay. I'm actually overdriving the input of the uh -huh. electric power steering column. I get it now. That's yeah, why yeah. I'm having that's why I'm having issues because I'm over I'm running that thing faster than it would ever be driven in a Saturn view, right? Like so that's kind of what happens. Electric the way electric motors work is at a certain RPM the torque falls off like crazy. It actually falls off from zero, but it's not linear. It's at a certain RPM, it just literally can't do it anymore. And it turns into essentially like an alternator or a generator, and you're forcing it. So that's the issue. I think the plan is, honestly, I'm going to go, I'm going to redesign the front subframe to take a BMW rack, and I'm going to go to a BMW Z4 um, base model steering rack, which is manual, because they had column electric power steering, and then just remove all the electric power steering and go full manual. The car is light. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> and it removes all that complexity. So, yeah. And without complexity, you add reliability. And I want it to feel natural. That's, that's the worst thing right now. It just feels like a video game along with literally not being able to steer sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds uh, pretty scary. I, yeah. That, wow. That's a great description. Yeah. Thank you. Kind of, yeah. that really kind of opened up my mind on how those different systems work. I, I didn't even really yeah. realize that. Wow. Yep. 
Yep. So what is the next event for Sivalana uh, and for uh, Verve Racing? Uh, we're going to shoot for Rally Colorado, just a little regional event, but I love that event. Uh, so we're going to shoot for that. It's local-ish. <laughs> we're, we live in Denver, so, you know, it's not too far. And, yeah, we'll go for that. It's just uh, we need to assess the car. It was making some, some knocking noises on the rear end on the transit back to service. I think it's hopefully it's just some rod ends that are going out, but um, we'll get it fixed up and shoot for that in June. Awesome. Well, congratulations on a, on a fantastic finish. On Honestly, yep. I, I, I don't think I've seen an attrition rate like this in a long yeah. time. This was oh, a tough, yeah. tough one. And, yep. But, you know, it's not always driving fast. It's driving smart. And you definitely did yep. that and had the right car for it, too. And it, oh, it yeah. shows that your build worked out pretty darn well, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'll chat with you maybe after Colorado and see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. See you. Bye. Hello, sir. Mr. Al Dantes Jr., how the hell are you, man? Just ecstatic. We just got done doing a couple podiums. Uh, uh, we uh, put them together ourselves, and uh, so we had a two-wheel drive regional podium and a regional overall podium with a nice little champagne spray, so I shot myself in the face with some champagne. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to be able to do that with getting a third overall regional and Dude, a stacked field this weekend, man. Yeah, 50 cars. Just insane. Um, yeah, I was kind of upset with myself after the first day. I think we were um, 11th overall and 6th in class. And, you know, when you, you, you really don't plan on finishing 6th when you enter an event. So I was kind of upset. I knew that I drove well. But, um, like you say, the, the class is so stacked. The field is stacked. And uh, everybody's out there for blood and um, luckily today, I didn't think I was that good in the mud or the rough stuff, but uh, I guess I was because the guys who get, who beat me on the fast stuff uh, couldn't catch me in the in the more technical muddy stuff. So, so how was it out there? I mean, j- just you know, obviously the first day, you know, yesterday and Friday, it's you know definitely just the, the kind of the high speed, kind of fast flowing things, and um, you know, yeah, it looks like some of the folks out there had had the edge on you a little bit. Um, you know, you haven't had your car with the ls swap for that long you know it's only been a couple of years and it's always tweaks that you're doing to it um yeah so i mean i, I guess how did it handle that stuff versus you know going into today where man it was downright treacherous because i mean out of those 50 cars i swear half of those are <laughs> didn't make it back out um yeah, i'm not even sure how many people finished the event event I, I think there was 91 starters but i'm thinking there was less than 60 that finished i, I don't know what the number is but yeah that was crazy um as far as treachery yeah uh the first run on southern loop i think we started uh, 44th and there was eight or nine cars off on one stage and i knew there would be more off behind us and uh, i knew the sweep team was going to have their work cut out for them it's amazing this little car it's it doesn't have rally suspension and it's probably 300 pounds overweight but I, like I said, I had to go fast when I could and, and just run smart smart lines in the uh, rough stuff. Um, like the, the guy who beat us, uh, Stephen Alana, with his Tercel wagon, he's a little bit taller and he's got more of a safari suspension on the on the wagon. And uh, he said he was running her and hitting the wumps and the jumps. And he said he was looking at the sky and looking at the ground and looking at the sky, looking at the ground. But whereas I took the alternate approach and I would just put it all the way in the ditch on the left and just ran the ditches rather than trying to run the roads and 
and it worked out. I don't think we damaged the car at all. And, you know, with the attrition that everybody else went through today, it's, uh, I'm pretty happy I'm putting a, a perfectly healthy car in the trailer. And nothing, nothing went wrong at all all weekend, huh? <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool story. I got to meet uh, Kean McCormick this weekend. I know he was on your podcast the other day, uh, last month. But uh, good guy, great kid. Um, but we had uh, a standstill at the famous river crossing that uh, two years ago where I dive-bombed some people. Um, so he was there this year. Um, there was two cars stuck on the hill. Uh, one was Ryan Sanders. The other one um, was BMW from Tennessee. And then uh, Kean was in front of me, and he stopped because everything was clogged up. And uh, so then a small window opened up to get up the hill, and he wasn't sure what to do. So I went around him and, and passed him on the uh, before the hill and then passed the two cars on the hill and blasted on up the hill. And uh, the Dingle Rally Boys and the Jetta were behind me, and they followed me through too. So um, there'll probably be video of that coming out. <laughs> So doing that again, that's becoming like uh, the theme of Al Dante's at Hundred Acre Wood. <laughs> yeah. Kean came over and he says, well, he goes, I haven't been rallying much. He goes, I wasn't sure what to do there. He goes, but now I know you just got to have some balls and go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, man. Uh, what, what a great finish. Um, uh, congratulations to you and the team and, and, and building a good car. I mean, I, really, I think this one really came down to driving smart and having a good solid car, the way the today's conditions. I mean, mm-hmm. especially I was I was worried about that third pass, having to hit uh, uh, Loop Southern a third time. Jeez, that must have been just hell. Yeah. And there's a, a monster river crossing on there that took out a lot of cars, and it's something with how my skid plates are. Um, I get no water in my air filter when I hit these rivers really, really hard. Um, and everybody else is bogging out, so I think that's where I'm making up a lot of time on people. Man, th- this is a hell of a, a hell of a result. That that was just really cool. I mean, it, you know, I'm looking through the times. Like, yep, this stage he moves up a notch, moves up a notch. Every single stage, you <laughs> seem to move up a place, and then all of a sudden, like five places, because that's when other people made mistakes. And you know, that, that it, it is an endurance sport, and you you definitely uh, held out and uh, did it right, man. Good job. Yeah, third place out of 50, we'll take it. (laughs) All right, well, I'll let you go celebrate. Thanks for chatting with us, and uh, again, congratulations. Rally on. Ryan Sanders. Hey, hey, Mike, what's up? Welcome to the uh, rally cast here, man. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing good. That was a hell of a performance you put on there at uh, 100 Acre Wood in that little car. Yeah, we, I mean, we we drove the hell out of it as far as we could. We had an issue with, uh, we, so we hit, one of the water crossings and on the very edge of the water crossing is a really abrupt uphill and because the angle we attacked that we were trying to get around a car we felt the car hit go thunk, and then i just floored it and it kept going and what had happened was it hit the uh, skid plate and tore it off oh no the next water crossing well at the next water crossing when we hit it it blew the oxygen sensor connector loose and so we were limited to 5,000 rpm and we at one point it was running on two cylinders and then we went through another water crossing and in the attempt to get up the next hill it died so we were sitting on a hill we caused a minor backup but we all got it everyone got out and i made sure everyone put in uh uh what are they called uh force measures i believe yeah everyone got their time uh, well and then with rally safe now that makes it a lot easier they can easily see it yep we got this. We'll yeah. edit it. Yeah, yep. yeah. 
and you just say, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, sorry, guys. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, I because, well, uh, one of the Beamers tried to go around me, except he he drove through the like the water water and he found out that that wasn't an option. So it just, it became a massive mess because the Fiesta died on the uphill. It's halfway in the water. And then the Beamer tried to go around, blocked the rest of the way around. Keenan McCormick pulls up. He just comes to a stop. And I'm really proud that he did that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've become pretty decent friends with him recently and he's a really smart kid. And yeah, it just is. keeps showing. Like, like I was worried, like, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I really hope Kian doesn't try to cross this because this is really going to screw him up because he just needs to sit on the edge and put in a put in a time adjustment and get it solved. And that's exactly what him and uh, – is it Rachel who was co-driving for him? Or uh, I didn't catch her first name. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it properly because I'm terrible with names. <laughs> but uh, him and his co-driver, they did exactly the right thing. And they ended up placing third in the Open, which was – really good i was really happy to see that yeah that's two podiums for him because i think he was uh second at, at at snowdrift indeed he was he put in really good times at snowdrift it's been fun watching the two-wheel drives and and you know i just say two-wheel drive because you know even though you're in a <laughs> limited two-wheel drive you're driving it like it's an art <laughs> I, yeah does that thing have anything more to give because i you know i'm looking at like the stage times you're putting in and when it's all going well Dude, there's not much more. Exactly, and that's the that's the thing we've been I've started to battle is that especially recently, Hundred Acre Wood, we really found a good stride, and I mean Boyd and I were just absolutely ripping. Um, that car doesn't have anything more to give in the straights and on corner exits. I can push the braking zone a little deeper. I can carry a little bit more balls through the corner or carry a little bit more speed through the corner, but I, these are like maybe make up two seconds, three seconds on a run which still bought a time over an entire event, but it's not drastic anymore. It's not like how at LSPR I had a speed factor of nine, and then at Snowdrift it was 20, and then at the uh, Southern Ohio it was 50. It's not like that anymore. Now we're going from, say, a speed factor of 50, 50 50.1, 0.2, 0.3, and we're – we're starting to really, really starting to push the push the car. It was built as a learning car, and the biggest thing we did for it was we got rid of the R1 suspension, the the Bilsteins, put on those Ryger R2s, and they are like riding on the rails. They're really good, really good suspension. TRF did a great job prepping the car. It is ripping and roaring as most as it can be. We're still learning some things about it. Like we've now learned that that oxygen sensor needs a more permanent solution because um, it was. It was in this factory position, and that doesn't work for a water crossing. So right. we've learned that now it needs to be tied out of the way and, and secured. I mean, we're really getting this car dialed in now. How much longer until we do get you into an R2 then? Because, you know, <laughs> I could see one more season, maybe, and if not less than the whole season. Yeah, I was just talking to Boyd about that five, ten minutes ago, actually. So we might not run the Fiesta the rest of the season. I might not be at driver for the rest of the season because uh, we're trying to cut back costs on our operation and become more economical. And we're starting to we, – we were looking into maybe renting the Fiesta as we build a different car. And I was thinking I'm going off to college soon, and I might go to college in Europe. And at that point, it is cheaper to run a season in JWRC, like much cheaper than what we were uh, – what we're, what we're spending to run this car in all, all the national events. 
and the value you would get out of, or well, I would get out of going to a WRC event is, I mean, tenfold of, of, mm-hmm. of I, I don't want to say any event here, but I mean, like, it is, it is another step up the ladder. I just don't know if I'm ready for that step. I don't know if I'm fast enough yet. I know that if I do make that step, I am going to be back in pack. I just don't want to be obnoxiously slow. Right. Yeah, I mean, the the level of competition over there is, it, it, it's just insanity. <laughs> it's, it's the best in the world, yeah. Yep. There's a reason why it's, why it exists, and yeah, I want to go that fast, but I don't know if I'm capable of that, or anywhere near that. Well, and the seat time that some of those guys get over there, you know, it's one thing that I've talked to Dylan Van Way and, and uh, you know, to, to others that have been over there over the years, and it's hard to compare, because there's guys that are getting a test in, or, or they're running a regional event just before, you know, the WRC comes. And so they're dialed in, they're ready to go, and they're just constantly doing event after event after event, and, and when somebody's got, you know, four times the seat time that you do going into an event, it's it's pretty hard to compete with that, you know, because they know everything to do on that car to get it perfect. And that's something that, uh, that's another thing I, I, we, we were looking into is that, so say one of the hypothetical situations is I go to college in Ireland. In Ireland, you know, I mean, all the Irish guys in ARA will happily tell you how not so good Ireland is. <laughs> but I think, yeah, you've heard those stories. But I mean, they do they do rallies like every weekend. Yep. And it's the size of Michigan, and I know I can drive from one end of Ireland to the other in one day. So I could, if I was to go to to college there, I I could go and do their their equivalent of their regional events and go out and rally frequently. And that's something that I really want to do is get the more seat time. It's just the the question of cost versus sure. And all the logistics and stuff like that. It's all just a big, big mess. Yeah. yeah. And it's all up in the air and got to find sponsors and all that. Cause... It's always a big challenge, especially when the, when it's away from home. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, Hayden Patton has such a tough time, you know, trying to get into the WRC. You know, he, you know, gone through the junior WRC. He's done all these different things. And, you know, he's definitely a top class driver, but getting sponsor backing when, He's got sponsors from New Zealand. They don't care about the European market, um, so <laughs> it's always a you know a tough ask when it comes to that. Yeah, and I mean we've been we've been blessed really to have Managed Way as a sponsor for this period of time. Managed Way has given us so much support and monetary. I mean, I actually I worked for Managed Way at one point. I was a, a network technician's assistant. I I basically was the monkey that uh, humped around all the fiber optic equipment and stuff for uh, oh, yeah. networking guys really fun job um i'm not i'm not meant to be in an office i've learned that because half of it was in an office half of it wasn't but those are those yeah. are stories for another time but uh the thing is is that we only have uh management only has one location in europe and it's hamburg germany great for the german market but i from what i understand i don't know the inner workings of managed way but i do not believe that they are looking into expanding the european market in 2022 which would be kind of my target so I think I'm going to – if I am going to start looking for sponsors for either a JWRC or maybe a, if they run the British champ, uh, the British two-wheel drive again, uh, depending on coronavirus and all that. But any of those EWRC, JW, any of those, I need to find actual European sponsors. Well, and I need and, to find and, a couple of them too. And JWRC is going to go to the four-wheel drive Rally 3. They won't have the Rally uh, – the R2s anymore starting in 2022. 
I, I thought they were running 2022 with R2s, and then 2023 was going to be uh, Rally 3. I, I haven't read that much into it, but whatever whatever it is, I'll drive it. There's so many changes yeah. going on with them doing the hybrid thing next year with the top cars, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it's I know, so hard it's to keep exciting, up with. Isn't it? I'm, you know, I'm I'm partial to my petrol-powered cars, and I love driving gasoline cars because there's nothing quite like banging through gears. But those electric cars are fast. <laughs> I mean, they are fast. The scary thing is, is that third story is the question: Are the WRC cars getting too fast again? Because I mean, while while modern WRC car, they're fast as hell. I mean, we saw that at 100 Acre, even mm-hmm. though, you know, Barry he had a flat and he had other miscellaneous issues. The time was he holy holy crap! I mean that that pretty really, insane. And huh? that car is the that car had the from what I was told that car has the 2.0 out of a R5 and not the 1.6 WRC engine. It is running a two liter motor, yeah. It is the two liter, yeah. Yeah. So he didn't even have all the power. That was just the arrow. It's I don't know. WRC cars are crazy, but uh, so by adding that electric system, are we going to see a sudden jump in speed? And is it going to be similar to? to what happened in the 80s with all of a sudden we got four-wheel drive and really big big motors you know while those cars aren't as fast as modern cars you know the they were still they were the fastest at that point and then it slowed down again and then it gets faster and are we reaching that peak again is what i'm saying yeah i think think initially it'll be slower just because the added weight um because their idea of how much battery they're going to be required to have uh in the new cars i think it's going to slow them down a bit but how long will it take where they get, you know, gen- a couple generations of technology that lightens the battery or, or changes what they're doing, that they get m- more power from somewhere else to kind of compensate? It'll be interesting to find out. I'm I'm excited about that transition. Yeah, look, I mean, look at how far batteries have come in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, when I was a little kid, there was the brick phone or the uh, bag phones the giant battery you remember you remember uh, a bag phone uh we had one it wasn't it wasn't new technology at the time but we yeah, no we no had it was one not the house <laughs> no not at all but we had one in the house so i've i've used i've actually used one I'm, wow. i know what they are yep um i'm into old tech so i know a lot about that's that great stuff but i i mean the battery in that thing was the size of a satchel a satchel yeah, charge it was <laughs> huge. Mean, and now i'm holding a phone that has like 15 times the battery power it it lasts. It does way more stuff. It lasts forever, and it weighs. I mean, it weighs nothing. Yeah, it's you're measuring in crazy. ounces, not pounds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so what that that makes me wonder. Well, in 15 years, are we going to have cars that are lighter than a petrol car can be, but have more power and have more range? Because Tesla's already pushing 300 miles for range now. If you're driving pretty well. Um, and they weigh about as much as a, a normal SUV, maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. And also having the center of gravity so low in a uh, in a car with floor-mounted batteries is super good. I, I'm a big fan of the Teslas. I think they're a really good step forward in electric technology. When Tesla first started, their cars were $100,000, and they offered half the range and half right. And the development they put in is crazy. And, the, you know, yeah, it needs to start at a luxury level because that's how we can afford to have the technology that's good enough to keep the research going. Yeah. It's kind of like how uh, uh, when the first jet engines were proposed uh, in the early 1940s, they weren't really looked into because they weren't a budget option. It was way cheaper to run a prop. It was yep. cheaper to run a, a radial on, say, your uh, B-17. You know, it's way cheaper to have 20-something. I don't actually r- recall how many cylinders a B-17's motor has. But it's way cheaper to have, like, 20 cylinders and just burn the gas than develop this whole new technology. 
And it's the same thing going on right now is it's still cheaper to, to have, like, I have a flat six in my car. You know, it's still cheaper to run 30 miles to or 25 miles to the gallon in your flat six than it is to invest in and develop this new technology. One thing I wanted to, wanted to bring up, uh, you know, talking more about the rally is um, I see you bestered your dad on some stages. Yeah, um, sorry to get off top with the Teslas, by the way. No, no, it's all good. I mean, dude, we talk about all kinds of things, and, and I was just trying to just, yeah, get kind of back on that for a minute, because I just happened to look, and I was like, wait a minute, you're beating dear old dad on some of this stuff. That must have been fun. Yeah, some of it is, uh, um, so like day one, we we ended one minute and two seconds, I believe, behind him. Uh, and that's just because 100-acre woods a momentum race. Like, yeah. he will best us every time when it comes to accelerating out of a corner. But when there's no accelerating to be done, um, when you're just in a flat line, it doesn't matter all that much. Right. And uh, I I have an easier time clicking with co-drivers than he does. And this is his second race with Oliver. Oliver's first race at full speed. So Oliver's sat with me since Southern Ohio of last season. And, I mean, we placed third and open at that in our first go, and Oliver was on the money. That race took so many co-drivers out, but it did not affect Oliver at all. He finished that race. It was 2 in the morning. He finished. I mean, we were driving back in the, as the sun rose, and he is totally unaffected, and I was so beyond impressed. From what I've gathered, it takes Rob a, a little bit longer to, to get on pace with his co-driver, especially since Oliver's younger and they don't share the same uh, – I mean, my dad is still a kid at heart, but not quite as much of a kid as me. Because, I mean, Oliver and I are – we're only months apart, and so we understand each other naturally, which is funny because what – I also, I mean, Jimmy Brandt, who co-drove for, for me at my first two events, I, I got along with Jimmy so well. Um, I'll never forget, we pulled up to a star control at Snowdrift, and I was singing the uh, the old theme song to the 1960s Davy Crockett show. He's like, are you singing Davy Crockett? And I go, yeah, I used to watch that. When it, uh, I used to watch that on YouTube when I was growing up. And he goes, really? Because, you know, he watched that. Okay, okay, this is funny, because you watched it on YouTube. <laughs> Whereas he watched it on television back when it was on. That's hilarious. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I really liked hanging out with Jimmy because, I mean, he so he was a scout leader and I was a scout for eight years. Nice. We, we just had a lot in common. And I would still, pro I mean, if it wasn't for the pandemic and, and all that stuff, I probably would have ran Southern Ohio with Jimmy and, and all the other events we planned on doing. Uh, I was going to keep running with Jimmy except for that he – when the pandemic first broke out, you know, Jimmy being of the vintage he is, it, it, it's honestly dangerous for him to, to be out in, in, in large populations. And as it becomes safer and safer, I really hope to see him return to rally. Nice. Uh, but then you've had Boyd in the car, and which is Oliver's dad. You've had this, like, you know, we did that article about the fathers and sons thing, and now you guys kind of did a swap as well. Um, how's yeah. that uh, having Boyd in the car? It's going great. Boyd and Oliver, I'd, I'd take either of them in a heartbeat. Boyd and I, we... I don't understand how we click so well sometimes because, I mean, we get in the car. Like, so something that happened at this event was on the second to last stage, we lost comms. We launched off the start, and the jolt from the launch unplugged the comms. Uh, he has a – it goes from his helmet, which is a row helmet, mm -hmm. to a uh, an adapter for the Stilo system. Right. The adapter unplugged, so he couldn't just plug it back in. So it it goes out. And I, I shout, you know, comms out, comms out. And he immediately starts doing jet boat commands. 
I've never used Jetbook commands in my life, but I understood every single one of them. Uh, you're going to have to explain this a little bit, because I don't know what Jetbook commands are either. Oh, okay, so a Jetbook command, so, all right, stick your hand out in front of you, and everyone mm-hmm. at home do this too. So stick your hand out in front of you and hold it like you're doing like a karate chop up and down. Gotcha. Right, now take your hand and point it left, so that's your direction, and now make the number four okay. with your fingers. One, two, yep. three, four. Yep. And then close your hand into a fist. So what you just said was left four titans. Oh, the fist is titans. I like that. Yep, the fist is titans. And so if he would do four fists one, that would be like a left four titans one, which that's a really important corner. Um, and then he would dash his hand forward to signify go. Because we, you know, we have in our notes all the time, you know, go here, go here. We have, we have real pace notes that actually give us a real pace to follow. The, one of my favorites is he kind of, so you run your hand through the air and you go up and down, and that's over crest. So okay, like, you would yeah. do your left four, over crest, close this Titans one, you know, like that's a that's a corner right there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's but a you're supposed but instead of listening, you've got to look over while you're well, looking at the it road. Out in front of me. Yeah, he sticks it out like as far as his hand can reach. Yeah, which I mean, I just need to glance my eyes over. And sure. Yeah, it's a disadvantage. It is nice. It is nice having. Uh, uh, it's nice hearing. Right. But. Having him physically point also helps you. I get my left and my right mixed up sometimes on occasion. At Snowdrift, we uh, we went into a junction and went the wrong direction because I, I got left and right confused. So it is actually kind of nice having him point. And he started doing that uh, in the latter half of Snowdrift as he would actually, for important corners, he would point the direction as he would say it just to make sure I, I didn't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's a slight disadvantage because you got to glance up. But we only lost... I think 10 seconds and most of those 10 seconds were lost in the first minute in the first uh, quarter mile because when I launched in the console now I slowed down trying to help him plug back in and when we couldn't get it to plug back in that's when we started going again so we probably lost 10 seconds just in that moment so we were still on full pace I was fully committed to his because I trust him a lot you know he's got he's got more WRC podiums than I have starts so I trust him (laughs) So, so Boyd's been on the WRC back in the uh, back in the eighties uh, when WRC still when it ran here. It's it doesn't show up on his eWRC profile, which is sad because that's really cool, but it doesn't show up. As with also none of his Canadian starts do, and we were talking about this on the drive back to the airport. But uh, yeah, he like he did really well in Group N. They were placing in the top ten overall in the Group A era in the Group N car. Nice. Yeah, so you should talk to him about that sometime. He was telling yeah, really cool stories. Boyd's, Boyd's really fun. I've been really lucky. Every co-driver I've had so far, I've liked. I had Jimmy and then Tabitha Lower, and then I had uh, Oliver and then Boyd, and I've gotten along pretty well with all of them. So, obviously, a, a great result here. Yeah, another, yeah, another good result, of course, over at uh, at Snowdrift, other than, yeah, you said you're one little issue where you had the junction, but, you know, that was kind of yeah, nothing. Yeah, we, we had the, the junction, and... I, I really hope I can find the video from it, from the in-car, but we had a really close call. It was the right three at the very end of the last stage, and uh, we turned into it, and the car just didn't turn. And I'm using all my techniques. Handbrake won't work. Um, it just was glare ice, and because yeah. we couldn't get any rotation, the handbrake wouldn't work. So I jammed it in first gear, dropped the clutch, and that was just enough to get the car rotated. And then I, th- I just modulated the throttle through the corner and it was 
the biggest drift line ever. Terrible line for speed, but we almost did not make that corner. We were just grazing the snowbank. We lost a lot of time on that. It was super slow motion, but it was fun. There's a little campsite on the edge of one of the stages there, and that's where Rob and I go, and we camp before we go dirt bike riding. I won't disclose where it is, but it's right on the edge of the stage, so we ride down the stage road in the summertime to get to our trailhead. No Olympus for you, um, as you were saying earlier. Do we? Do you have an event that you do plan to do? You can do like SOFR or something like that, or something in between? Or I would love to do SOFR. I really enjoy the roads, but I don't think that's going to be happening. Save up a little bit and uh, get ready for uh, college. Now, that then brings on the question of, what are you going to be majoring in a college then? That's a good question. So Rob wants me to get a JD, which I agree with. The problem is, is I got to go get a BA first. I want to get a BA in photography or press and editorial photography. I, I really enjoy photography or maybe even maybe even like, you know, music. But he, he thinks those are all what he calls the useless degrees, which is not 100% wrong. Because you don't need a BA in photography to go be a good photographer. I just, I want the guidance and the, the experience, really, is what I'm after. What is it you like uh, shooting the most with a camera? I, I really enjoy, so I live right on the shore of Lake Michigan here at my high school. So I really enjoy landscapes that have water and, and not necessarily mountains, but big foothills and those beautiful, like, beautiful, breathtaking landscapes I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then I also enjoy, like, it's a, it's a weird genre, but war photography is probably my favorite overall genre. Because hmm. the stories that you can see in, in those images are mind-blowing. I did my senior seminar presentation on this really cool uh, uh, historical, it, it's, basically, it's uh, comparing us to, to Soviet Union and Rome and all these other civilizations and their rises and falls. And one of one of my products was I, I did a, an art gallery and uh, it had photos from the war the two, the wars in Afghanistan, the Soviet and the uh, American wars, and the similarities in the stories that those photos tell are striking. It is it's really cool. It's something that you know it's it's cool to look into. I'm not going to talk about it too much because that's a whole other topic. Yeah, yeah. But war photography is cool. I'm I'm definitely a big history buff. My grandfather was uh, in World War II, and some of the pictures from the airplane that he took and, and some of the photos that he had uh, going into Berlin and things like that, just wow. Yeah, those are cool. That's the kind of stuff I love seeing. And, and of course, on top of that, I do enjoy shooting cars as well. You know, I am, at the end of the day, I am a race boy. I like going speed, and I like seeing things go speed. I really enjoy uh, David Cosboom's work, and the same with uh, John Seaton, uh, uh, Dash Man. Mm-hmm. Both of their work is work I aspire to do, and I hope, you know, I can get out to either a regional or an event I'm not racing at and do some photography. I just got to figure out how to get around the novice uh, photographer restriction. <laughs> well, um, a lot of that is geared around the... Uh, knowledge level of how rallies run and being safe, and so yeah, I think, which I think you may I be able to plead a case here. I it, it, it might be stretching it, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get where you're going with that. But uh, that's a lot of what I do in my free time. I also do a lot of music too. So really, what uh, you play a specific instrument? I play the guitar, the piano. I can play a little bit of violin, but not well. Um, I can play a little bit of mandolin, but not well. Uh, I, I, I played the cello for years. I don't play it anymore, though. Wow. Yeah, so, and I played 
all sorts of styles of guitar. I'm not necessarily great at any of them, but I can play them all pretty well. Recently, I've been doing a lot of uh, finger-picking Travis style, uh, so more like folk music style. But I oh, okay. learned how to play playing classical. I mean, the guitar I play every day is a classical. Uh, it's a classical fusion, so it's a classical that has a cutout. It has uh, pickups in it, which mm-hmm. is really nice because beautiful guitar. It's a Cordoba Orchestra CE, I believe. Really nice guitar. Beautiful finish. Great, beautiful resonant sound, and with a good set of a uh, good set of strings. It, really just rocks and that's a great guitar and i really enjoy playing it we did a performance today i for for class the only music class i could get to work here uh my schedule was uh, the beginning guitar so i've taken up the role of playing all the fun uh decoration bits all the the like uh, in eleanor rigby like the the walking lines that the guitar oh, yeah, plays yeah. that the violin would normally play i play all that stuff for the beginning beginning guitar class and it's a lot of fun that is really cool, man. Wow. You got a whole lot of talents lined up there. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I try to I try to keep myself busy and doing something. I I used to when I was younger I would just I, I played Counter Strike. I still play okay, I still play Counter Strike, but I played Counter Strike all day, every day. I was really good at Counter Strike, but it's really bad for you to sit in front of a computer all day. But I traded I I traded that high rank back in for being a normal person, and I'm just a silver now. So, if there's anyone reading this or listening to this who understands that, they will understand they will <laughs> what it. a silver is with Counter Strike. But I won't lie, my favorite, my to this day, my favorite game is Counter Strike 1.6, the one from 1999. Best game ever. I it's simple, it's fun to play, if you can play it on any computer, and it's not super competitive. It's a great game. I enjoy just hopping on with random people and playing it. I used to be really into the new Counter-Strike, the one that came out in 2012, but it's just too competitive. I have enough competition in my life. Well, congratulations on a fabulous result. Um, okay, not a, not a win. You got a second place on this one, but, uh, dude, you know, if, if you take away the, the issues that you had, I mean... You were quick, man. <laughs> You're having a pretty good weekend. Yeah, other than the other than the little issues, and I mean that's part of the learning process, and it's part of the fun. I mean, I won't lie, the the adrenaline of being like, oh my god, is this car gonna work again? Are we gonna have to retire? Like that that on the wire, and then pulling the service and just seeing the crew go into this big frenzy, and the way they worked together was just so impressive. They they fixed every issue with the car, um, fixed some fixed some other miscellaneous stuff, got the car. We found – so we didn't have plastic to make a skid plate. We had run out. So we used uh, some of Brad Morris's, his backup middle plate, as our front skid plate. And so they, they zip-tied that on, dropped the car, and said, drive it as far as it will go. <laughs> and so that's exactly what we did, and we brought it to the finish. Oh, that – now, see, there's a story. That's awesome. And, and see, this is something that I, I just love about our sport is that, you know, here, here's, you know, a fellow competitor. Use this part, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and and try and take it to the end. That's just – that's just really cool. Well, I wonder if we'll ever have real park exposés again. Yeah, I miss those. Um, that, that's yeah. that's one of the easiest places also for me to, you know, get around and see everybody. It's a big part of the ecosystem, and I really miss having it. I'll yeah. never forget my first park expose. I mean, or here before I go on this tangent, do we have time? Oh, dude, you talk. I just what want you to make want to talk sure about. I'm not. 
Yeah, I don't know what you're. I don't have a time is, limit. So, I, mean... I never set okay, time limits. So, yeah. so some people get bored with having a long podcast. Some people like getting all this stuff. So if we're just having a good conversation, then That's let's important. have a good conversation. Yeah. I call this my virtual rally pub. Think of it. Think of it as we're sitting at a bar. And we're having a drink, and we're just talking about rally shit. Yeah, that's 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 one of my favorite forms of. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but it, the very few ones I will listen into are well, a the Rallycast, of course, but <laughs> a few. You know, it's got to be like it's got to be organic, if that makes sense. But yeah, so my first park expose at LSTR, we pull in, and they so they had all of the r5s and the uh they had the the uh the open cars and well the r5s were open at the time but they had the the subarus the r5s all of those and the and the r2s all lined up on one side and everyone else on the other side and at the time you know our car was like an r1.5 <laughs> it was you know it had the the rigers and it was it was really really was a stock car and so they pull us in and they put me right next to Ryan Booth's R2. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're not judging by what's under the hood. We're judging by the livery here. I get it. Um, <laughs> which is funny because Rob's car at the time didn't have the livery yet. But it was, I mean, that thing is fast. And it was fast then too. And it's a built car. They put him with the regional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought it was funny. They put me there. They put him over there. You know, I'm walking around and you know people are coming up and I'm letting people, I'm letting little kids get in my car and stuff and just the experience of part and also it it involves the community you're in because right now it feels like we're just kind of showing up and using their community when back you know back then it was like we show up we become part of the community we are you know it it just it's a different atmosphere and it's really good for for the rally because it looks it it not only looks good but it gets people interested. And I mean, we are the more competitors, the better. The more volunteers, the better. You know, and the more. I mean, back when, next time we can have them, the more spectators, the better. You know, I love I, I love showing off for spectators. I miss spectator points. I love pulling I, the handbrake. I appreciate so points. much that you said that about uh, yeah, feeling like you're you're part of the community uh, versus uh, just you know showing up and using the the, the community and and we strive so much to make sure that the places that we go and we run the roads and we get the road permits for that we do everything we can to get the people that are there to appreciate that we're coming um and and we don't abuse the privilege that they've given us um and then to have drivers like you want to open up to that community and and bring the people and let them sit in your car you know that's maybe a future volunteer we get too because they get so excited and uh exactly that's exactly the mindset that we want in our sport and that's really cool man yeah it's it's so critical to to form a good relationship with the community also it's good for local businesses it's good for all that um like so when we were in missouri just recently i was down at the antique stores on the main street in the in that area and they were wondering if if we were having park expose because they enjoy it because it brings people in and it it makes sales and, and and generates revenue and i i you know i had to tell them sorry but no we're not doing that this year because of coronavirus but hopefully next year and all that oregon trail we've uh you know moved our date to be the that's now the final event of the season um that'll be in november it's funny so i've been down a couple of different like i've i've been out to where the rallies run i've seen all the all the sites because i did co-driver training with karen jankowski and that's the area she uses to do her co-driver training 
I've never been there when the rallies run. I've never been to an Oregon Trail rally. I I want a photo of me jumping with the mountain in the background. <laughs> Just like uh, I it's iconic, isn't that. it? Oh, it, it is iconic. It's 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 awesome. Oregon Trail. I every some of my favorite Bond Control episodes were uh, the Oregon Trail episodes because they got such good footage from that race. So we'll see you either behind the wheel or behind the lens at some point yeah, in well, hopefully the not you'll too distant see, future. Yeah, I'm not going away that easily. You guys will all see me. <laughs> I'll be behind a wheel, behind a lens, cleaning something, putting something back together, breaking something, doing something, I'm sure. I'm going to just drive the RV. I mean, <laughs> I'm not I'm not disappearing for long, that's for sure. All right, man. Well, again, good run. Right. Uh, we'll see you at the next one you're at. All right. I'll talk to you later, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you to Michael Hooper, Kevin Allen, Steve Alana, Al Dantes, and Ryan Sanders for taking the time. The next episode we have is going to be episode number 100. And in that one, we have ARA's defending champion, Barry McKenna, who not only tells us about 100 Acre Wood, but also gives us the details on his Fiesta WRC car. And a big thank you to our supporters, Melee Design Firm and Oz Rally Pro. They really help us out a lot here. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thank you for listening, and there's more to come soon. Thank <laughs> you.